Blog Talk Radio. Archangels, ghosts, and Bigfoot, oh my. It's just another night for supernatural girls. Real stories, real answers to life's biggest supernatural mysteries. And now, for another exciting interview with paranormal experts from this world and others. Here's your host, paranormal researcher Patricia Baker, on the one, the only, Supernatural Girls. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker, and I'm here with my co-host from Tucson, Miss Patricia Kirkman. PK, how are you? Doing absolutely great. Beautiful weather. Girl. If you want to fry an egg. (laughs) (laughs) Right on your sidewalk, probably. That's right. It's for sure. Too hot. And we've had storms all day today, but I have to say we needed the rain. So I was glad to see that. My lawn will start to recover from the lack of rain, I hope. But what's the temperature out there? Last we talked, it was, what, 107 in the shade? Well, we had gotten up to 110 last week, which was just a bit more than I wanted to have to deal with, unfortunately. Fortunately, unfortunately. (laughs) It's cooled off a little bit now it's just about uh, about a hundred right now, oh, but gosh. it's muggy as can be because we're due to have another rain. The rain's oh. the monsoon season, so you know you keep praying for the rain because we need it. But at the same point in time, wow, it is hot. Yeah. Whew. Well, I'm glad you're with us tonight because, as you know, we've been talking about this great guest we're going to bring on in a little while, PMH Atwater. Now she is an expert. And near-death experiences, she's had three of her own. We're going to find out all about what's happened in her life. And then we're going to go into her brand-new book that can be pre-ordered. And it's a great book. It is called The Forever Angels, Near-Death Experiences in Childhood and Their Lifelong Impact. We're going to get into all of that in just a little while. It's going to be a great show. So before we go there, you've been looking at numbers. Tell us what you've been finding. Well, you know, I had a couple of people call and ask me why we don't talk about what the month is all about when we talk about the numbers. And so if it's with agreement with all, I would like to take, I'll start tonight, but then the first Wednesday of every month, I'll talk about what the month entails and what it's what kind of effect it will have on all of us. So okay. as August, it's a two-universal month, but it's all about partnerships, relationships, uh, being a team player. It's an excellent time for studying and establishing good relationships and doing things that can make you happy. Because if we're happy, everybody seems to be happy, right? Yeah. So there's a need to be over-sensitive <laughs> and moody, uh, I should say moody. That's quite possible because when we're overly sensitive, it doesn't take much to tilt the, the wheel here. It's a great time to take care of any of the little things that you've been putting aside because it makes you feel like you're really accomplishing something. But putting relationships up front this month, that's really what it's all about. This is a great time for the best of times or the worst of times at a relationship. You can make relationships happen. 
that maybe have been kind of put on hold for a while. Old friends may get back in touch with you. But whatever it takes to pull this back together, just kind of remember that if you use your sensitive side to put things into order, all things seem to feel better. So that's kind of a rundown of what the the month is about. Regardless of what our personal stuff is, this will affect all of us anyway. Okay. Well. well, thank you for sharing that. And somebody also asked us to please announce the date with every show. So we might as well do that too. August 7th, 2019, today's date. Mm-hmm. So, Good idea. I for, you know what? Somebody had mentioned it some time back. It's easy to forget to do because we're so busy putting it together for everybody. <laughs> hey, to us, this show is timeless. It doesn't matter. Oh, I know it. <laughs> well, all I remember is what, what the month's all about. I start from there, and I, everything goes downhill or uphill from there. <laughs> <laughs> really? Really? That's right. Oh, my goodness. Well, it sounds like we have some good guidance for this month coming up, and we also have some interesting paranormal news. Now, We've been following, as everybody knows, David Polite's amazing work, Missing 411, about these people that go missing. Well, there was an interesting story that we posted on our Facebook page. Please make sure you go and read the whole thing. I'm just going to give you the short version. You know, one of the biggest things that David says, and it was also written about in a Huffington Post article, don't be last in line. If you are going on a hike with people and you're in the national parks, don't be last in line. Because those are the people that disappear. Well, there's a new caveat with traveling through national parks and even jungles they're finding. Don't wear bright clothing. The people that disappear are wearing bright clothing. So they say don't wear reds, yellows, anything bright. In fact, in the jungle, and this is written about in this article that was posted, they tell everybody only wear black or you may not ever come out of the jungle because there are creatures in there that for some reason are drawn to the bright colors and they will take you. So it's, in fact, one guy didn't follow the instructions. He was wearing yellow Socks, and it ended up that he was attacked. Something grabbed his leg, scratched the crap out of it. He got violently ill, barely survived, but at least he came back. So, anyways, now it's don't be last in line and don't wear bright colors, or you may be next on the hit list for whatever is taking mm-hmm. these people. Isn't that something? So that's incredible, yeah. and, and especially when they tell hunters to wear the bright colors, the reds and such. But when you're in a group like this, a total different venue. Yeah, they say don't do it. So, you know, and there have been, as David has a new movie out called Missing 411, The Hunted. It's excellent, and it's very spooky. But there are a number of hunters that have gone missing, and these are highly experienced people mm-hmm. with weapons in the woods. And they've gone Scary. missing, never to be found again, yes. So, anyhow, it's uh, it's a fascinating article. Take a look at it. We posted it on our Facebook page. There's a lot of UFO videos, uh, recent sightings. We posted all the videos there for you to see. Make sure you give us a like and a follow on our Facebook page. You can keep up with everything we're posting. And also, there was a story about a 77-year-old woman. Did you see this one, PK? I sent it over to you. It's incredible. Incredible. Oh, my God. Now, nobody knows what happened to her, but she was killed. 
while she was out walking her dogs. And they cannot determine what in the world it was that killed her. But she had claw marks on her arms, on her scalp. She's dead. And they checked the dogs to see if it matched to the dog she was walking. It did not. They checked 15 other dogs that were in the area. didn't match up to any of them. But some of the people in the area said they had seen a, a dark creature running through the woods. So they weren't able to identify what it was. And it is not something that people have seen before. So very unusual people. And I'm trying to remember what area that was. You'll have to go to our Facebook page and read, read the story so you'll find out where it happened. But people are now in the area. They are not walking at night. They are only walking in the daylight. So they are scared. And with good reason because this thing is definitely good reason for it. Yeah, totally unidentified. This poor woman was a school teacher. She was beloved in the community. Wrong place, wrong time, whatever it was, it it got her. And there are people who are saying it could have been a canine-like type thing. Other people say it might be a panther. Others still are talking about a pterodactyl-type bird, Um, something with an enormous wingspan that can swoop down out of the sky and cause a lot of damage. So it could be anything. I hope they find out soon what it is so it doesn't harm anyone else. So anyhow, also, we're having a a candle sale, $10 off each candle at SupernaturalGirls.com. Make sure you go take a look. It's a great time to pick some up for gifts for the upcoming holidays in a few months. Take a look at SupernaturalGirlsWithAZ.com. And if you want your own numerology reading with all the details, contact PK. She is at PatriciaKirkman.com. She's also at SupernaturalGirls.com. You can schedule your own reading with her. And you can schedule one for your partner, too, if you want to know what they're up to. And Good if idea. You want, <laughs> yeah, really. You want to check on your partner. They can't get away with anything. That's right. <laughs> and, oh. And you got to know. So also, I am giving a sale price on soul realignment. So it's $100 off, which is a huge saving. So if you really have been wanting to try soul realignment and you haven't been able to afford it at 250 you can now try it at 150 So it is a great deal, both on the candles and the soul realignment readings. Go to SupernaturalGirls.com and send me an email with any questions you have. For your soul realignment, we'll set up a time and go ahead and get some of those magical candles. They were designed by our own Bruja, Katrina Raspold, and me. So they're powerful. They're not just your typical candle, not at all. There's a lot of magic that goes into the creation of these candles. So take a look at them. And like I said, shoot me an email about a soul realignment reading. Now's the time to get one before the price goes back up. So tonight... We've got a really interesting guest tonight. Oh, my goodness. Yes, and we cannot wait to talk to her. So we're going to bring her on in a second. But I'm going to introduce her first because she is quite renowned. uh, And she's going to be talking to us about a major study of near-death experiences with the newly born babies, toddlers, and children up to age five. And this is a remarkable 
of remarkable work that she has presented in this book, The Forever Angels. Now, PMH Atwater is a distinguished researcher of near-death experiences. She's in prayer chaplain. She's a spiritual counselor and a visionary. She's the author of 18 books, including Children of the Fifth World, Beyond the Indigo Children, and The New Children and Near-Death Experiences. She's here on the East Coast in Charlottesville, Virginia, and she's here with us tonight. So, PMH, welcome. Welcome to the well, show. Well, it's fun being here. Well, that's the goal. We want to entertain people, but we also want to inform people. And you've got a lot to tell us about tonight. But first of all, you have had three of your own near-death experiences. Can you share with us what happened? My dear, I had three in three months. I I look back at it and I call it the heavenly sledgehammer effect. That doesn't tell you how stubborn I was before (laughs) they hit. I don't know what will. Uh, The first one was primarily an an out-of-body experience, although it included uh, some other things as well. The second one was two days later. I was raped um and uh it was um these uh my own uh, near death experience, experiences were from all the miscarriage and the problems with the miscarriage and you know one thing after another my second and third were very long and very complex in my third one i i heard a voice you know we we all hear voices uh, and I was very familiar with this kind of thing. But no, it wasn't that kind of voice. It was a voice so big. You know, it, it's like the whole universe was talking to me. I, 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 I call it the, the voice like none other. And, and my sense hmm. was it was of God. And that voice said that I was to do research. Quote, test revelation. You are to do the research, one book for each death. It told me what that meant. It did not name book one. It did name book two and three. Book two was future memory. Book three was a manual for developing humans. And both of those books are done. They're out there. You can get them. Um, both of them, uh, neither one of them are like any other book you'll ever read. Uh, Future Memory is um, designed on a labyrinth, the math, uh, every sentence, every paragraph, every page in that book is part of the math I use to create the labyrinth. It is a real labyrinth. So you have to read it as you would walk through a site labyrinth. In other words, you can't skip through it. Or you wonder why I ever wrote uh, such a dumb book, because it won't hold together for you. It only holds together if you read it straight through. The purpose of that book, it's uh, sort of like a psychotronic device. The purpose is to bring your consciousness up to the next highest level possible for you. So the book is literally a brain changer. And, and that please voice mention showed me the name of that it. book again. Future Memory. Future memory. Future okay. memory. Mm-hmm. You betcha. You want now, to get that book. And yeah, then an, a manual for developing humans. We, we, we all forget 
that hundreds of years ago, maybe thousands of years ago, um, hue, the sound of hue, was the sound of God. So when when um, when someone was referring to be, you know, human, hue woman, hue man, they were talking about God man, God woman. So the idea was that we were all gods in the making. And it says that in the Bible. It says we are all gods in the making. So if you t- if you take that literally, and it, I believe it is to be taken literally, um, then the idea of a manual for developing humans is simply a wonderful way for you to be who you are, to be who you fully, really are. Uh, the book was written in, um, it has a fifth dimensional format. That is to say there are six sections. Each section, each part of each section is based on conscious, subconscious, superconscious. So you get it all at once. Well, that's the fifth dimension. You know, everything is is revealed in the fifth dimension. So that's what this book is. When you're talking about intuition or the intellect or whatever, whatever, you get all three at once. So this is truly a fifth-dimensional format. And I, I assure you, there is no other manual like it on the planet. Well, we're going to have to get both of those books. So I'm going to have to talk to Manzanita. I think she's been holding out on us. So we've got to get those books, too. <laughs> well, those don't come from inner traditions, unfortunately. Oh, uh, where do they come from? Future Memory comes from Hampton Roads. A Manual oh, for okay. Developing Humans comes from Rainbow Ridge. Okay, we'll track them down because okay. they sound excellent, don't they, PK? Yeah. <laughs> they certainly do. They certainly but they are books. You know, my many other books are either about the near-death experience or research about the near-death experience. Because, hey, I'm a cop's kid. I was raised in a police station. So I use police investigative techniques as my protocol. You know, there are two major ways of doing research. There's the vertical, which is um, uh, your scientific protocol. And that gives you framework, that gives you the basics. The other is horizontal research. And horizontal research is based on observations, is is based on studying the individual, um, essays, um, really dialoguing with the individual. You never, never, never use a word in advance of the individual when you're doing horizontal research. Um, this, is so, this is the reason why I don't use the scientific, scientific protocol, because when you're working with consciousness, it's biased. You're using, you're using words before the experiencer. So you can't use questionnaires, because you're using words before the experiencer. You have right. to. You know, so you, you have, have to allow the experiencer to open up in their own way and then study them, challenge them, talk about it, get in the family whenever you can, talk to the spouse, the caregivers, the boss. Um, so, hey, I'm a field worker. 
Yeah, well, you've done a great job with the Forever Angels book. Now, you've interviewed over 400 children for this, right? Well, actually, it's, it, it's what is it, 397, almost 400. Close enough. <laughs> Not okay. quite, kid. <laughs> but it's yeah, really two books. Enough. It's um, really but two. It's, a, it's really interesting because, as you mentioned to us, you gave us a heads up and said there's a lot of shocking things in here. And there are very unusual things. You do talk about this tunnel of light. It's kind of a media thing, not so much what people go through. Tell us about that. Oh, well, hey, if, if, if we're going to talk about near-death research and the near-death experience itself, then I think we have to be honest here. Because not that many people go through a tunnel. Never did. Um, I think it was, what was it, back in 1986, I think it was, uh, the first major study done by Gallup Poll in a scientific um, questionnaire on near-death experiences, there was only about maybe six to nine percent of the people ever reported a tunnel. Um, people in Europe and other places, other places, China, all over, they don't they don't report tunnels. It, 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 it was mostly in the United States, maybe a few in Canada, maybe a few in in Europe, but not that many. Um, most most of them uh, talk about other things. The idea that all of these or most of them happen in a hospital, not true. Only about, well, I'll say about maybe 27%, 12 to 27% happen in a hospital. So the idea um, that we get from television and movies, um, they use hospital cases because they are easier to film. And it's... It, it, um, it doesn't cost them that much to do the filming. Right. So, you know, and the idea of tunnels, you can blame that, if you will, on the media. Um, um, you know, it, it, it was the media trying to sensationalize Raymond Moody's first book, Life After Life. They cabbaged onto this phrase, tunnel, and the idea of hospital, and that's that's how we get the myth. Uh, if if you look at the whole experience, then you find out, wow, there's a lot here, a lot more than you ever get in a documentary or a movie. Um, it's you know it's fabulous. Well, it, what's so interesting about this book is that you're able to talk to children who have good memories of their near-death experiences, which sometimes occurred at birth. So that's, that's well, remarkable. Well, let's zero in on the research in this book. It's really two studies. The first study was, it was done in the 80s and 90s, uh, done with the little ones. Uh, from kindergarten age up to young adults. That is to say, uh, the young people looking forward. And that was in the book, The New Children and Near-Death Experiences. So this time, in a recent study, 
I went after people in their 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s who could verify having had a near-death experience when they were very, 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 very young and um, could then answer the question, did a near-death experience, uh, and what I'm looking for is near-death experiences that happened before, during, or after birth as a baby, a toddler, or up to the age of five. So the question to them was, did that experience, um, when you were ever so small, did it make a difference in your life? If it did, what? And so I'm looking at information about the family, the siblings, school, um, sex, drugs, alcohol, going to college, dating, friendships, careers, getting married, having kids of their own, even grandkids. So oh, I'm, lo- I'm looking at the whole span of life, and I'm saying, did that early experience make any difference? And, and what I they- got was just shocking. So when when you take a look at all of the answers you did get, what shocked you the most? Ah, uh, there isn't any one thing that shocked me the most, but among the things that shocked me, um, wow, among the uh, things that shocked me was this business of school and learning and the mind. Um. These kids come back really, really smart, many to the point of genius. This experience is happening. Um, Think in terms of babes. Think in terms of birth, babes, toddlers. This experience is happening when the flooring, the basic flooring is being laid in the brain. You know, all of the basics of the nervous system, the digestive system, but especially the brain and consciousness. All of that is being laid in the brain. So so these kids come in, and even though the basic pattern of the near-death experience is the same with adults and children, children handle that totally, totally, totally different. Because a kid doesn't have a before. They don't have anything to compare with. Right. And yes, you know the, 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 the little ones? You'll get a kick out of this. Um, they call themselves birthers. That's, that's their term. I didn't make they, it up. That's their term. If they had it around birth or up to the age of about six months, they call themselves birthers. So we've got hmm. birthers and little ones. <laughs> wow. It's so interesting. I mean, these these children who have these experiences, you're saying they, they, get, they can come back very smart, very um, aware, very psychic. You know, all of those things can happen as a result of this experience. They can also come back with full memory of past lives, if we want to call them past well, lives, whatever they are. 
Yeah, or the other thing that really surprised me, but there's two things. One is that the experience tended to make them feel less attached to their family, their biological family. That's fascinating. I, I wonder why that is. Let me give this to you. Law, um, they lose bonding with parents 90%. So we're talking 397 people lost bonding with parents, especially if they had a, 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 um, when they were very, very young. Um, they bond well, that's with the unusual. other side. They don't bond with this side. Very interesting. I think that is fascinating that you discovered that. Uh, so their relationship with the other side was much more powerful than Absolutely. what they perceived to be a temporary relationship with biological parents. Right. Well, most of them knew more than their parents. They know more than their teachers. I mean, they're bored silly in school. Absolutely bored silly. Yeah. Well, well, let me give you some idea of what we're we're talking about here. Uh, what what I found was what I would call a learning reversal. The mind works different from before, eighty four percent. Significant enhancement of intellect. 68%. But listen to this. From birth to 15 years, that's the first study. And most of the people in, the, in that study were un, under the age of seven, specifically the little bitty ones, the babies, and up to the age of three and five. So they really fit with the recent study. Um, uh, uh, so the genius level with those little kids, they were scoring 150 to 160 on standard IQ tests, 48% of them. We're talking that's a lot of kids here. High. 48%. Yeah, now, hold on. Under six, tested genius 150 to 160, standard IQ tests, 81%. Hold on, there's more. Birth to 15 months, especially if they had a dark light experience instead of a white light experience. I mean, it, it gets to deal with three, um, three different major types of light. So if, they're, if they had a dark light experience instead of bright light experience, birth to 15 months, the IQ score begins at 180, all of them, and uh, up into the 200s. There's something about that dark light. And there's also something here. The younger the child, the greater the jump in IQ. Look at that. The younger the child, the greater the jump in IQ. Uh, uh, well, here's here's my question about all of that. I mean, you could almost hypothetically, well, you could come to this theory about what, based on what you found, that says something like this: 
when you maintain a connection with the other side, whether it's dark light, white light, doesn't matter. And you said there's a third light. We're going to get into that. <clears throat> but that's where the real uh, intellect comes from. That's where the real genius comes from. That's where the psychic impressions come from. So our routine life, our day-to-day, you know, uh, run the, you know, just run the usual stuff, that's not where this happens. This is happening from the other side of the veil or whatever you want to call it. It doesn't come from here. It comes from there. Well, it comes from these incredible lights that the children experience. And like I, like I said, there are three main ones. That There's this radiant, radiant light. It doesn't have any color. It's very powerful. It's very raw, very strong light. Then there's this dark light or black light. Sometimes it has purple tinges in it. Very seldom ever, ever do you hear about this being negative. Almost always positive. And there's something very healing, incredibly healing and comforting about a dark light experience. And then the white light experience, some people say a little silver, a little gold in it, maybe a little yellow, but mostly this white light and 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 that light is so comforting also but but there's something very lively about that light and 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 the children say well that white light that's father light the black light that's mother light and that raw radiant light that's god's light and the mother light and the father light come from God's light. Interesting. Very interesting. My goodness. So these kids get blessed with this incredible experience, and then it changes their lives, it sounds like, for the better in well, kinda, a lot of sorta. different ways. Yeah, yeah. kind of, sort of. Depends on how you look at it. <laughs> they go through incredible after effects, you know, 90% lose bonding with parents, 82% difficult family situations. Yes, 84% uh, come back uh, empathetic, highly intelligent, 75%, but suicide prone, 74%. No kidding. It's like, whoops, whoops. Wait a minute here, and folks. Whoops. Where did that come from? There's another side. There's another side here. Remember, remember, lose bonding with parents, 90%. So they're bonding with the other side. They really don't relate that much um, to the earth plane. They, uh, you know, they're still, um, it's almost as if um, they're they're, uh, in a wave, a wave of light and energy. um, So are you saying uh, that they kind of miss that experience of the other side and they're just so happy to get back that they don't mind taking their own life to do it? (laughs) Well, kind of, 
sort of maybe not. Let me look at this. Let's look look at this. A child does not look at suicide like an adult does. They have no concept of hurting their family or causing anybody any grief. Their logic is quite different. When they were not breathing, they were in a beautiful place with loving people. Now that they are breathing again, that beautiful place and the loving people are gone. Aha! The way to get back then is to simply stop the breathing. And that's exactly what some of them try to do or think of doing or want to do. They have tremendous problems with bullying at school and at home. Uh, um, Often do not look like anybody else in the family, even their siblings. Can go throughout the childhood years, teen years, adulthood. Many turn to drugs or alcohol or run, try to run away. Uh, when, we're, when we're taking a good look at this, um, uh, we have to admit that the after effects of near-death states for the very young can seem very similar to a form of PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. There's a whole chapter on that in the book. So I'm saying to all the therapists and psychologists out there, read that chapter. 34% were positive about having had the near-death experience. 61% were negative. Why negative? Because growing up and finding their place in life was just too difficult. Mm-hmm. It's hard, you know. And I would, yeah, I would imagine it, especially you know, if the parents aren't supportive, if they don't understand what their children are talking about, or they don't want to believe them, then I could. See and they're that getting it, bullied in school. Yeah, you know, further, it's, it's all about home guilt for wanting to go back. No, no, they don't want to commit suicide. Guilt for wanting to go back. But that sentence of betrayal for getting kicked out. They don't want to leave the other side. Right. I mean, I'll never forget when Ken Ring had a, did a talk way back when in Connecticut. And there was a woman who had a near-death experience who came up to the stage and spoke. And all she talked about was how she couldn't wait to die and <laughs> how much she hated it here. And she was a woman in her 40s. And she said, this place is so horrible, and I just can't wait to die. And none of you should be afraid of it because it's so wonderful there. It's so loving and beautiful and blah, blah, blah. So it was a very interesting discussion that Ken Ring brought to the table when that woman came up on stage. So I can understand what you're talking about and how you found this with children. Uh, When here's an adult who had a near-death experience who, who talked about going back like she, you know, she could do it tomorrow if she would. So it, it was, you know, it was kind of a little unsettling also to hear her talk like that, that she would abandon this reality in a heartbeat if she could. So it, Well, most it brings, of them really, truly want to stay here, but it's really hard. 
um, um, they're challenged in so many ways. Let's look at some of the challenges here. Okay, before you go into that, though, PMH, I'm going to take a very quick commercial break, and we're going to come back and hear more about the challenges that you want to share with us that these uh, children experienced in their life after their near-death experience. This is fascinating. So, everybody, we're going to take a very quick break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Supernatural Girls Radio. Pure essential oil, specialized minerals, and a revolutionary anti-aging technology. Astridium combines the best of all scientifically proven ingredients in easy-to-use creams, lotions, and concentrated serums. Astridium's advanced line of products take your skin to a new level of being healthy and beautiful. We offer a variety of collections that address all your skin concerns. The Essential Anti-Aging Series treats and moisturizes your skin for a long-lasting, younger look. The Multivitamin Series promotes healthy skin with high-quality vitamins and minerals. The Sports Series restores skin from cellular damage and stress. Astridian also offers a revitalizing solution for hair and a professional series for doctors and medical spas. Visit astridian.love today and begin your new journey to healthy, beautiful, youthful skin. Astridian, beyond your expectations. Are you frustrated with endless mantras, affirmations, and processes that promise to align your life with your dreams only to find yourself years later in the same space where you began? Do you feel like you must be doing something wrong because nothing seems to be working? Don't you just wish that someone could shift your consciousness for you and your life could align with your desires without all the effort? Well, your wish is about to come true. Hi, I'm Carrie Cannon, and I have a gift that allows me to align the consciousness of others to be in harmony with their dreams. The best part is, it requires no particular effort on your part. Upon listening to a consciousness alignment, People have reported instant energy shifts, financial windfalls, soulmate connections, healed relationships, physical healings, and more. To gain access to a free trial offer for my entire Manifesting Miracles library of consciousness alignments, go to commandmiracles.com now for details. Again, that's commandmiracles.com for information about our free trial offer. That's commandmiracles.com. Your property tax bill. Have you seen it lately? It's frightening. Your property taxes are going up while your home value is going down. It's time to fight back and win. For the real truth about the property tax system, get Attorney Pat Quintilian's book, Are You Getting Screwed on Your Property Taxes? How to Find Out and How to Fix It. Attorney Quintilian answers all your questions and gives you the facts you need to fight a property tax bill that is spiraling out of control. You'll also read about what happens to property owners who don't check their property records, only to find out too late they're taxed on square footage, fixtures, and even buildings that they don't own. Is this happening to you? Learn your rights. Buy Attorney Pat Quintilian's book today. Are you getting screwed on your property taxes? How to find out and how to fix it. 
Available on Amazon.com. Are you ready for a new experience of freedom and powerful connection? Would you like a positive, effortless change in your life? Then come to CosmicFusion.com, where we offer the most advanced energy clearing and expansion techniques in the world with a quantum vortex energy to activate your divine blueprint and life's purpose. When your soul leads the way with cosmic fusion and quantum vortex energy, you can break clear of past difficulties and blocks with the power of the source. With cosmic fusion, the source energy does the work for you. It's easy and effortless. Listen to our free meditation right from our Cosmic Fusion website, the Cosmic Code Meditation. Sign up for one of our interactive webinars today. Come to Cosmic Fusion, www.kosmicfusion.com to experience an effortless awakening and transformation. Are you ready for an upgrade? Are you ready for a new experience of living in the fifth dimensional magic and powerful connection? Then visit CosmicFusion.com today. CosmicFusion.com Welcome back, everyone, to Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker. I am here with my co-host, PK, and our terrific guest tonight, PMH Atwater. She is the author of a new book called The Forever Angels. And we are about to hear some of the struggles that children have after a near-death experience changes their lives forever. So, Dr. Atwater, tell us, what did you find out? Let's get in in with it here. The challenge, three major, they face three major challenges. Number one, they first be... They begin abstracting before the first grade and are smarter than their peers, teachers, and they display signs of stenesthesia. Let's, let's talk about abstracting. These, these kids are abstracting before the first grade. Let me give you an example. Um, l- l- yeah, let me go a little bit further, and then I give you this example. Instead of continuing okay. with concrete learning details, which is how we learn, step by step by step, that's how we learn. They move to abstract learning, which is concepts. They often return immersed in broad conceptual learning styles, and are forced to relearn the concrete method from scratch because the school system is not prepared for kids who abstract in the first grade. Let me give you let me give you an example. This is a boy in the first grade. He's in the state of Georgia. Um, he drowns halfway through school. When he's finally able to come back to school, now stop for a minute here. For first grade, what are they reading in the first grade? See, spot, run, Dick and Jane, right? Yes. This kid comes back. He's reading Greek mythology and understands it. He goes up to his teacher and he asks, 
Why was the book Robinson Crusoe ever written? These are abstracts, dear. It's it's nothing to have kids two and three years old who are beginning to abstract, maybe have a library card at three or four, maybe reading the Wall Street Journal by the time they're five. Excuse me. Um, And challenges faced. They display signs of synesthesia, remember? I'll talk about synesthesia in just a minute. What happens to the innocent within the family union? Well, they don't ever, they seem as if they don't belong to the family anymore. They don't relate to mom and dad. They don't relate to the siblings. When they go to school, you know, have sex, the elder years. And by the way, many of these kids become very successful. They have very successful careers. 74% go on to have uh, incredible careers. Um, Several of them became millionaires. And then the third major um, challenge they had, they forever miss home. The greater collective they know is real. Many feel lonely or are suicide prone, not in the sense of grief, but rather in the sense of a homesickness. Let's talk a little bit about stenesthesia. Stenesthesia is um, um, it's it's a neurological condition associated with the limbic system. It's either uh, blended senses or multiple senses. Let me give you an example. And a lot of these kids come back with synesthesia. In fact, synesthesia is an after effect of near-death states. Adults don't get it that much. Kids get it a lot. I was born with synesthesia. No, I'm not a near-death kid. I was just born that way. That that means that in the first grade, I was the only kid in school who could smell color, who could see music, and who could hear numbers. I had blended sensing or multiple sensing. Um. So how does so synesthesia become a bad thing? The tried to kick me out twice. My mother okay. was called often to, to school. Uh, I was telling the truth. They thought I was a liar. And the, um, that stigma of being a, li- a liar followed me throughout school. I mean, in school, in the first grade, can you imagine, I, I, I was sitting on a tall stool in front of the class, many times having to wear a tall conical hat that said dunce on it as an example of a bad child who told lies. And for me, me, it it just, you know, changed my life. Yeah, I would imagine it was Yeah, turned it upside down. But have you found, through interviewing some of these children, that are now a little bit older, that anything like that has changed in our school system? Because there's certainly alternative schools. There's certainly uh, a more progressive. 
that's a way of looking at some of these things. Uh, has any of that changed so that children with synesthesia are not treated badly anymore? I'm hoping with the alternative schools that this is being addressed. I haven't heard of it yet. Um, well, so I, I can't answer that. Your book, I think, is going to be so helpful in changing the way you can you handle children that have been through this. I mean, your book is providing some very hard evidence about what, what these children go through, and hopefully from that can create a whole different support system for them. Because they don't, from what you're describing, it's more isolation than it is a support system for these children. Right. And I'm alerting everybody, I hope, uh, to what can go on in the brain. Because to me, a near-death experience is a power punch. It's a powerful punch. And it affects, you know, everybody. Uh, Adults, um, you know, adults can go through tremendous changes as well. Um, Here's these little kids. Um, But, you know, I'm hopeful that this book not only wakes up um, the community of fellows, parents, teachers, everybody, but helps helps in lots of different ways. Um, um, I'd like to talk about a particular case here. Now, yeah, this is Penny. This. this is Penny. Okay. The most I'm quoting her. The most profound member memory I had in the womb was my mother smoking. I remember getting excited in utero when she would feel anxious because I knew that bad taste was coming and sooner and and very soon very soon I would feel high. You know, doctors even today right now say, you know, there's no problem with the the mother smoking. Uh, I'd rather she didn't, but, uh, you know, it won't affect the child that much. Here's a case that's saying it affects the child a great deal. Um, there's uh, These people, well, yeah, I mean, uh, they were rich and poor, that... all races, all sexual types. Some were raised in the voodoo religion. I had three of them, uh, Patricia, who were raised in the voodoo religion. They, uh, they, they did not know anything about God, never heard the word G-O-D, never, uh, um, you know, they didn't know anything about the Bible, any of those kind of terms. They were raised in the voodoo religion. Three of them. All three had a near-death experience when they were very, very young, either babes or maybe one or two. All three were visited by Jesus. They knew Jesus' name. They recognized Jesus. Now, where did that come from? Yeah, that's a great question. Where did that come from? There were several in in my research that were born 
into satanic satanic cults. Um, for the purpose of being used in, in satanic rituals. One of them specifically had 17 near-death experiences before the age of nine. The first, uh, the, uh, excuse me, the first was when she was six weeks old. My God, what were they doing that? to her? Can you imagine no, that? I cannot. They did all kinds criminal. of things to her. Um, uh, you know, I, uh, the people in this re- research, it's just it's fabulous. Fabulous. Uh, rich and poor, all races, all sexual types, um, you know, uh, um, first Canadians, um, Aborigines, people from South America, uh, all kinds of people. And they shared their stories. Let let me go on and, uh, you know, most of these cases come from abuse, drownings, and birth problems. Mm -hmm. Let me share something. Let let me read you this. this one particular case is so interesting. It's Jack. He was three years old. Um, he fell over a prot- protective railing. He, had, uh, he fell 10 feet. I was in the attic with my mother. I can, re- I can rem- remember very clearly every detail. I was walking around holding my pillow. I loved to feel the soft fabric, and I was holding the pillow in front of me. The next thing I remember is being up in a large tree in uh, in our front yard next to the walk and watching my mother run out of our house toward our next door neighbor's house. I wondered what she was carrying in her arms. Then I realized it was me. I wasn't concerned. I just watched. The next thing I remember is being slammed down and water running all over my face. I opened my eyes and saw that I was on the countertop and my head in the sink. My mother told me I had fallen over the protective railing and landed 10 feet below. For years, I never told anyone about my experience because... The one thing that puzzled me about this fall was that the tree in front of my house um, that I saw my mother running next door, we didn't have a tree in our front yard next to the walk. I remember later when my father wanted to plant a tree, he asked where we thought it should be be placed. I immediately responded and and was very determined that the tree be planted at the exact spot next to the walk. I was so insistent that he planted the tree at the exact spot. As the years rolled on, I would often look at the tree and think to myself that the tree used to be bigger. This is future memory. 
Mm-hmm. It is. A lot of these kids have future memory. Here's one that's mm. seeing, seeing a tree and his near-death experience that wasn't there and didn't get planted for many, many years later. Here's one, uh, a breech birth. I remember coldness of the air on my left foot and hanging around in the darkness, not sure where I was, not frightened in the aloneness, but just very confused. The darkness was soft. I listened to the nurses. I seemed to be hearing them, understanding them. Might be a shift change. One explains... One explains to the other what happened to me. I heard them say, poor little tyke, mother does not know. They are speaking of my limpness, non-responsiveness. One nurse brings the other to look at me. I get a message inside of me saying, be animated, move around. So I smile and start kicking my arms and legs. One nurse says to the other, what are they talking about? She's fine. Just look uh, look at her. The other nurse comes rushing over. Somehow, I could see this. The second nurse remarks, well, she wasn't like this an hour ago. Back in the crib, looking up at them, am delighted that somehow I had happily surprised them. My mother said, they would not let her see me for three days. The nurses said they didn't, you know, they didn't have me clean. Hmm. They wouldn't. They wouldn't tell anybody that I was almost dead. Hmm. So it's amazing that these children have this type of clear memory of events like this, because it was kind of like she was between life and death. It doesn't sound like a typical near-death experience, but it does sound like she was in between worlds until she got the message to move around and show people she was actually alive and here. It's very typical of children. Yeah, and you have a number of these in your book where they have these unusual experiences, but there's no tunnel, there's no white light. It's just an experience of consciousness that goes beyond the body. So it's it's again it's they're fascinating stories and it just makes me think in this day and age where we have the internet where we have Facebook how nice it would be if these children that have near death experiences could have their own support system there so that oh that's an interesting can, idea yeah I think it would help them because I find that in a lot of these support groups that are online and on Facebook. You get a lot of great information, and you get a lot of support. So these kids might get the the kind of support they need there that they're not getting at home, that they may not even want. And they're from certainly not getting in school. Oh, definitely. So, but they would get from other children who've been through what they've been through. Right. And of course, everybody's got their own version of what they experienced. But how nice it would be if they had a safe place like that where they could talk to each other and share it. Yeah. Yeah, that would be indeed. Um, yeah. And um, I really want to say to all the therapists and psychologists out there and everybody else, 
that, that out-of-body experiences for a child are a defense mechanism. If they're being raped, if they're in pain, if they're lost, if they're frightened, often they will have an out-of-body experience because if they're up on top of the ceiling or at the corner of the room, they're safe. It's a defense mechanism. Right. The out-of-body <clears throat> experience for a child has nothing to do with psychic ability, has everything to do with, with the commonplace desire for them to be safe or to look around or to find out what's going on. It's very, um, it's very purposeful. It has nothing to do with being psychic. It has everything to do with being normal. Yes, and surviving. That makes a lot of sense. And I think, you know, one of the other things that is really important about your book in terms of therapists is being sure that, that therapists will know that these children are not dissociated, that they are just basically identifying more with the other side than they are with their parents here. That's an important piece of information, I think. For any yeah, therapist who's going to be do with working being, with a child. Yeah. There's nothing to do with being diso- dissociated. For the, for them, it's a typical uh, plus. It's, a, it's, a, uh, it's part of their makeup. It's what, what they need. It's what they use. It's there for them. And, um, yeah, it, it, it's part of their daily life. And you know, it just sounds. The more you talk about this, and the more you share these these experiences from these children, the more I think that therapists need training in this. They really need to know how to work with these children, because there are so many things that are particular to their life experience that it just doesn't match up with most other people. So I think that's that's something well, the, that should be done. You know, the the book will help them. Will help them all. Oh, God, yes. I love your book for so many reasons, but especially that, because helping professionals and and parents and anybody in a school situation work with these kids, it's going to take this deeper understanding of their experiences. Right. Um, I'd like to share with you what that one child who had, or individual who had 17 near-death experiences before the age of nine and the first at six weeks. The only reason her parents ever brought her into the world is to be, be used by them in satanic rituals. They were members of a cult. So the that's the only reason they had her. That's disgusting. These are, these I mean, are that, her words. Her name is Judy. These are her words. Um, and, and she's now, of course, an adult. She's in her 50s. All of my experiences in this life, whether they appeared to be dark 
or light are expressions of love. Experiences of searching for love. I came into this life with a purpose. This was not known to me until much later in my life. Or I would not have been able to to truly know the experiences as as they were in the moment. (coughs) What I know today has brought everything full circle. Can you imagine that? No. (laughs) PK, can you? I don't know. I'm I'm having a hard time wrapping my mind around that. That kind of maturity. Mm. She forgave her parents. Wow. Can you imagine? God bless her. I don't know how. I mean, you know. Yeah, exactly. Just, exactly. It, it, I almost cry when I read that. Because this is a woman who who suffered and suffered and suffered, even as a teenager, even growing up. She was so confused. Um, she had such difficulty. And uh, certainly she went into counseling. But she got a lot also from meditation, from prayer work, from all different kinds of exercise and um, different types of spiritual retreats that she went to that were very helpful for her. Um, She married, had several kids. And our very, very happy family. Really, a very happy family. And she was able to put it all together in a very positive way. Now well, that's a miracle. That's a complete I think it miracle. is a miracle. Yeah, definitely. No question about that. But here's another one. Um, this is Kara. She died between three and a half to four years of age during a tonsillectomy. Emergency measures were taken to save her. Now, this is a very different kind of point of view. And this is um, looking at these kids in general. And this is what Cara says. Living life from a child experience experience your perspective has been quite challenging as a child when you feel other other people's suffering and emotions have li- have little or no say in things feel duty bound to help others and that you can't handle the extra burdens life doesn't feel safe it's hard to be here Contrary to the ecstasy most adult experiencers have from their NDE, a child has to try to manage being in this world and manage their gifts and sensitivities. I've spent almost my entire life not wanting to be here, knowing oneness. All sentient beings are treated with respect and their journey is sacred. Often I have been put in a position to say a harsh word or step up to negative behavior 
it gets very tiring. Earth is very harsh, and I often long for the refinement of the other side. It's easier to breathe there. The only way I've I've learned and dared to investigate my own feelings has been through talking with other child experiencers I trust. Physical life is very small for me, but my internal life is expansive. It's, it, it's, it's fascinating and difficult. Child experiencers have, a, have a, a great deal to share when viewed from another perspective. Again, another very profound experience, you know, but it, that takes a, a lot of enlightenment, I think. And, I mean, when you talk about these people that have had these experiences, young children, um, infants, some of them, and how it's changed them, and then they yearn to go back, and 74 or whatever percent are suicidal or have suicidal thoughts. I mean, to me, it sounds like an experiment gone bad. It's almost like uh, the entities on the other side are like, well, you know what? We want to send a bunch of people here to this planet to change the world and to make it a better place, and we're going to give them this experience, except it kind of backfires because instead of them wanting to stay here and make this the the same light-filled, beautiful place, they just want to go back to where they came from because it's easier. But, and it but feels they, a lot but they better. Learn, so, but they learn so much by being here, and they are they are able to do so much by being here. Uh, um, if you look at the um, the the chapter on historical cases, look at that chapter. Albert Einstein, Abraham Lincoln, Edward de Vere, the seventeenth Earl of Oxford, who I feel is the real Shakespeare, if you really oh, study no the case. Oh, interesting. You, especially in the book Future, Mem- Future Memory, I talk a lot about Edward de Vere, the 17th Earl of o- Oxford. I have a special um, appendix uh, in the back of the book on him. If, if, you, if you look at his life, he's absolutely... The reels of Shakespeare. There's nobody else who could match what he went through in his life and what he did. He's absolutely the Shakespeare. That is um, so cool. And if you look through what these kids have done, many of them, you find, I mean, look at this. Look at this. We've got 74% had a very successful career. Aware of the future, 61%. Strong spiritual guidance and knowing, 76%. They stay. They don't want to stay, but they stay because they have to, because they know they have to, or because they should and they and they know that, and they do that. Vivid dreams, 70%. I mean, they do a lot. But I mean, they there don't is, do it simply. 
No, and there's a case to be made for people, as you mentioned in your historical cases, for uh, for this to make a positive difference for everybody. So there is that case to be made. It's and you do list a bunch of them here. Edgar Casey's included in that, and Absolutely. Black Elk. Uh, I'm just listing off, you know, Marcel and Bobo. Benedict Cumberbatch, our yeah. great, uh, you know, English actor. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they're you know they have this opportunity to to be great, and some of them really are. I guess hearing that statistic of the the high percentage that entertain suicidal thoughts it, that's a, a torment uh, for people. Well, I would imagine. you know, it tells you that it's difficult for them, but they learn, they grow. And they give so much back to society. Absolutely incredible. And did you interview people also that had an early near-death experience and were not able to come to terms with staying here? And they were encompassed by the suicidal expression. Oh, did indeed you, so. Indeed and, so. And what happened there were to some. them? Um, yeah, indeed so. But the majority of them stayed. The majority of them stayed. Another question. Yeah. When you interviewed the, these children and they talked about um, feeling less attached to their parents, which um, I don't see it as a bad thing necessarily, but I know some people might. I don't. But is there a place where they had superior guidance? So what I mean by that is they would hear voices, of yes. God, angels, whatever. So yes. they had a, a stronger attachment or connection to that. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Indeed, they did. So that's You're right on there. Thing. I, I would no, think it's not. some of some of that would make up for the lack of, of attachment. Well, parents. here's a here's a funny one for you. Uh, you know, I ask about counseling, <laughs> and and they um, they said um, that, um, that they didn't get much out of counseling. They preferred psychics to psychologists. And they got a lot out of psychics. They got a lot out of the spiritual path. They got a lot of walking the spiritual path, learning all the, these things about mindfulness and, and, and meditation, the various rituals that you can do, um, spiritual rituals. And look at the minds of these kids. They go on to do some very interesting things with this mind that they have. Um, and, and for all of us, in looking at that, it's a really kind of a sobering thing to realize that, yeah, this can be very difficult, but look what can come from that. Yeah, because they're able to maintain a connection with source energy. So that source energy right. can, can 
can really, you know, continue to propel them forward. Yeah, which is tremendous. And what they teach us is is remarkable. Now, you were able to interview almost 400 children. And do you think that there are a lot more children out there in the world? I mean, are there thousands and thousands of children like this? Millions. Millions. Wow. Okay. That would make sense. Yeah. Mel Morse found in in his research that um, those children in the hospital, like heart trouble, all these um, uh, uh, severe problems that children would have, he said almost all of them had a near-death experience. Hmm. Interesting. So they're, they're coming back with a different intellect. They're coming back with synesthesia. They're coming back able to look at the world in a very different way. And, and if they had enough support, then it would probably be a better journey for them. If they had you know? more understanding, certainly. Yeah. Um, and I think that's one of the purposes of this b- book. Um, it's just certain, uh, like wave a, a red, a, a flag of some kind in um, parents' faces, in school teachers' faces, everybody saying, look, look, here's a child that's different. Don't punish them. Listen to them. Give them yes. a chance. Right. And, again, that's where alternative schools, I think, are, are geared more towards that and not trying to put a square peg in a round hole. But it's, I think it takes a lot of understanding. And, that's our, again, I think your book is instrumental, in, and it should be required reading in every school so that people can understand what these kids are going through and how to work with them because you give some very clear information here. And it's all based on research. You can't argue with it. I And I like the way it's presented. So I, I do hope that we'll find your book in, in every school library and the teachers will take the time to read it. They need but to. But also, they're, they're on the front lines with these kids. Also, this major theme that runs through all of these cases, and that is... They view consciousness as an ongoing stream. Uh, They don't view it as past lives, getting in and out of lives. They view that stream, well, it'll dip once in a while. It'll dip into a life. And then it comes right back again. And it just keeps going on and on and on. The life continuum. Um, yes, there's some of them that view, you know, talk about um, reincarnation, that is to say past lives, but most of them don't. Most of them are not interested in love and light. They're not interested in life after death. They think that's silly. They're interested in that life continuum. They want to know how to live in this life. They want to know how to think in ways 
that will work in this life because they know that consciousness itself is a stream. And it goes on and on and on. And, it, you know, these little dips that we call lives or past lives, that's not the life continuum. The life continuum is this incredible stream. And that's what the kids teach us. They show us that. They show us that in their paintings and their drawings and well, and. and, and what they're talking they, about. They also, in your book, you, you mentioned a couple of very interesting facts. That some of them said they were interdimensional, and some of them said they were right. off-world. They were from other planets, and they, you know, this is the first time here or whatever. I think that's fabulous that you were able to get that information from them, and well, that they, they didn't. They don't they talk. Didn't. There was a couple of them that talked about off-worlds and other planets. But most of them, again, talking about the life continuum, that's the main thing. It isn't other worlds. It isn't other lives. It's the life continuum. Right. And it's that's the what they're clued into. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's just amazing. that Some of the information that you've gotten from these children is startling. And, again, we both highly, both BK and I highly recommend your book. Uh, it is an excellent book that is groundbreaking, we think, in so many different areas. And, again, it's called The Forever Angels, Near-Death Experiences in Childhood and Their Lifelong Impact. Now, PMH, what if somebody wants to get a hold of you? What's the best way for them to find you? Well, certainly my website, www.pmhatwater.com, you know, uh, all lowercase. Um, I do produce a free monthly newsletter. You can sign up for that. But I caution everybody, it's a newsletter for the curious. (laughs) So if you're curious, you're going to love the newsletter. You've already called an archive there. You know, um, you can look up past issues, but uh, certainly, certainly my website www.pmhatwater.com. Uh, yeah, right. Because what I'm thinking is, when people hear this, they may have a story they want to share with you, or maybe they want you to come and talk to their school teachers or something. So I want oh, them to have a way. Absolutely. Yes. If they want me to talk to a conference or a school or a university or. Yeah, sure. PMHAtwater.com. Now, your book is not quite out. We were very lucky to get a copy of it before it actually dropped to the public. And I believe your your book comes in September 3rd, is it? Second or third? Right, right. You you can order it right now at at Amazon, and um, you can pre-order. Um, but if you order from Inner Traditions before, what is it, um, October 14, I think, you can get free shipping. Oh, great. Oh, nice. That's excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Well, again, your your information is incredible. I think everybody could benefit by reading this, especially if they know somebody who's had this type of experience in childhood. It It will give them tremendous insight 
into this person and any relationship that they want to have with them. I think it's critical to understand that's critical for our schools and teachers to understand it, as well as our medical professionals. This is really important information that you've been kind enough to put together in a great book for all of us to read and understand. And I do hope that somebody will start a group on Facebook for children who have had near-death experiences. I just see that as a healing. Oh, that would be wonderful. Oh, I'd love yeah. that. Yeah, further right. heal. Maybe you'll maybe you'll arrange it for everybody because you're in the community. So God bless you for what you're doing. This is this is great stuff, PMH. And thank you so much well, for coming you. on the show. Tonight. Both this of you. Been, well, give you so light. Light. <laughs> Very well, very is, interesting. Yes, we we've learned a lot tonight. I'm sure we're going to be hearing back from our listeners about this terrific show. So thank you so very much. I'm going to wait to hear back. We know you've got another book coming out at another time. We want you back on the show. So make sure you stay in touch with us. We'll, we'll pick up the other yeah, books that you've always. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. That's, that's what you do, and you do it well. Well, I'm so coming out with a series of, 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 of children's books, six of them, wow. um, that, um, that helps uh, people, uh, the parents, the kids understand this kind of saying, be, uh, uh, um, because I'm I'm taking animal babies to uh, uh, to show what human babies can go through in the womb and being born. Oh my gosh! Well, that's very exciting. Again, more interesting stuff. Unfortunately, we've come yeah, to the end of the show. Yeah, you find out about it on my website. <laughs> we will look there, and we'll be back in touch for another interview. Thank you so much. Next week, everybody, we'll be back with another exciting show. We're talking about Norse runes and tarot north. Many so, blessings. Until then, everybody. Bye bye. Good night. Good night. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another radio adventure with Supernatural Girl.